morning, church. Happy Sabbath once again. What a beautiful day we have in our midst. Welcome to all our visitors, those who are here in the temple, and those who are watching online. Welcome once again to one of our worship services. I am very happy to see new faces. Some of them I can see them more familiar than others. But even through the mask, we're still able to see some smiles and some beautiful eyes along with it. I am very happy to also see my friend Damien. Welcome, Damien, to our church. I met Damien this week. He's from Trinidad and Tobago, and uh, he's one of our visitors at church this morning. And I know there are some other families here. We want to extend that welcome invitation to everyone who's here. Thank you for coming this morning, and thank you for giving the opportunity that God may speak to you directly. We know things are changing very drastically, very rapidly, and it is time for adoption. In times that we are on, we need to adapt to what we are facing and what we are seeing. Matter of fact, we need to be shaped as to what we are called to be. Our title for today is called Shaping Our Character by His Spirit. And what do you understand by shaping? Well, it requires a transformation. It requires a change. It means that it's not still and it's not just there, but it's in a constant movement and it constant requires a new adaptation to it. But today, before we start our, our message, I want to start off as what I usually tell you when you come to church. Number one, I want you to pray that God will speak to you directly. This is our main reason why we come to church. This is the reason why you're watching online this morning. You want to hear God's word. We have listened to so many things throughout the week. And oftentimes too much. But it's necessary that today we put aside all of those distractions. And we allow God to speak directly to ourselves. But it's not going to happen unless you are asking for it. Meaning that you intentionally say to the Lord, Lord, I need to listen to your word today. So before we start, I want you to pray for that. I want you to pray and ask God to talk to you directly. If we were to just go into the research and data to understand how noisy our world is in current times you will see that it is hard to find moments of solitude in current times. It is hard to find moments of silence. I don't have the data right on, on, on me at this moment. I, I remember reading an article saying how many hours it took back in 1980 to record just silent. And it was quite simple and easy and it didn't require many hours. But in today's time, to record the silence of, on the world is just crazy it takes hours and even days to record a minute or two or three because we are so loud <laughs> and we tend to be so uh, involved with so much noise in fact some of us cannot stand in our homes without having the radio on the music on the tv on or something has to be on because as soon as we are alone by ourselves we feel afraid and i don't want to point any fingers to anybody but the majority of us go through that. It gets to the point that we can 
and do not want to be on our own. You know why? Because usually when you have silence, you start hearing your own thoughts. And your mind starts to wonder. And some of those moments lead you to reflection. And when you're doing something wrong, it tells you, you should change this. You should work with this. You should think about this. Something that happens often when we go to the woods and we just get to be in solitude. Well, this morning, it is our desire to listen to God's word. It is necessary to put aside all those noises that are distracting us from what we need to hear. So I pray that God will speak to us. And I pray that you will also pray and have that desire in your heart. What a beautiful opportunity we have today to mingle with Jesus, to spend time with him, to be shaped by his spirit. So let's have a word of prayer as we start today. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for giving us once again the opportunity to listen to you. How much do we need to be closer to you? How much do we desire to, to listen to your word, to listen to your advice? We're sorry, Lord, because throughout the week we've been so busy doing everything else. But today we met a church, we met online. Today we met through a device and we are able to hear your word. Please speak to us directly. Open our eyes and our ears that we may listen to you and be saved by your message. Shape our characters. Oh, how much work do we still need to do? But we rely not on ourselves, but on your spirit, knowing that it is with your help that we get to be transformed in glory to glory, Lord. We want to set our eyes on Jesus this morning. Allow us to speak on his behalf, that his name may be uplifted from this pulpit, and nothing else will be shown but your grace and your message. In Jesus' name we speak and we pray. In Jesus' name we claim on these promises, Lord. In your name, amen. amen. Shaping our character by His Spirit. I love the lesson that we're studying this quarter. If you haven't had the chance to read the lesson, I encourage you to do it. You still have a few more weeks. And if you didn't during the past weeks, go back again. Often the lessons talk about doctrine. They talk about prophecy. They talk about present truth. They talk about different subjects. And all of them are so important. All of them are very important to our Christian walk. But this lesson during this past quarter is talking about something that we all need to do, which is transformation in our character, shaping our views, shaping our character. I mean, I've talked to the church last week, and I've been preaching about this over a year ago now, over a little bit over a year now, and I've said, we learn doctrine and, and it's important and you will hear me speaking about doctrine and we learn prophecy and we preach about prophecy we are currently living in, in the end times and we see the signals and we see the signs and everything around us is telling us that something is coming up something is happening in the world we are not living in the world we used to in 2019 Completely different scenarios nowadays. Completely. Everything has changed, has shifted, has moved from what we used to do. In fact, the normal is not normal anymore, is it? 
No. And we know about that. And I like that you get to study more about that. And you get to inquire. And you get to ask questions. And it's good for you to be a, a student and a studious person about the word. And to reflect and to question and to mingle and to dwell yourself in it. But there is one subject that I want to talk about today that oftentimes we overlooked. And as I said, we are very good at prophecy. We are very good with the Sabbath. If someone comes here and says, hey, the Sabbath is no longer truth, you get up and you'll say, Pastor, you're saying something that is not truth. Because the Bible says this. And we all agree with that. There is no way you can discuss about that. You can deny what the pastor says. You can be uh, against what the elder is saying. But you cannot be against God's word. God's word is the one that presents that. And it says according to. But what we have lacked. In many aspects. To learn to do. Is to dwell with one another. To allow our character. To reflect the truth. That we so preach every day. Does this ring any bells? Now pastor are you talking about what exactly? Well I'm talking about our character. Yes we want a revival. And we are praying for a reformation. In fact we know by the, by, by, by the inspired uh, prophet. That in the latter days, we are going to see a revival and a reformation as we haven't seen since the apostolic times. In fact, she talks, she talks about the primitive godliness. We will see a church that is able to rise above the turmoil and the problems that we are seeing. And we are going to see people being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And these people will proclaim God's last message to the whole world. In fact, they're not only going to speak, they're going to live accordingly to that message. But before any of that happens, in fact, when she talks about revival and she talks about reformation, she says these two things go together. You cannot claim for one, you cannot pray for one without the other. Because you might have a reformed church, but unless the, the spirit brings the revival with it, all we are doing is reforming clauses and policies and ways of doing things. But the transformation of the heart only comes from the Holy Spirit. We know that this primitive godliness will take place in the latter days. And we believe we are living in those days. But what is it, the primitive godliness? In fact, she talks about the church at the beginning. And she talks about the Pentecost. And she talks about the experience they went through. And you cannot talk about that without learning about the process each of the disciples had to go through in order for their characters to be shaped like Christ. Meaning that you can have all the truth. But if your character is not being transformed by his spirit, it doesn't matter. What well, pastor is saying truth is not important? Of course truth is important. Of course the truth is there. And whether you like it or not, it's going to steal there. It's going to steal, it's going to remain there. 
You cannot change it. You cannot alter it. It's God's word. But in order for it to make sense to individuals, our character has to be according to it. And that process, brothers, takes time. So when people come up to me and say, Pastor, why aren't you preaching about present truth? I tell you, I see a lot of present truth in every message the Bible gives us. But I also know that the only thing we're going to take to heaven, it's our character. And unless our character is being transformed in current times, there is no hope for us for tomorrow. Meaning that unless my family gets to experience Jesus' character at home, it doesn't matter how good or how bad I preach in front of you. Unless my co-workers get to see Jesus in everything that I do. Little works that I come to Sabbath every Sabbath with a tie and a, and a suit. So I'm going to be speaking present truth and precious truth. And I want us to reflect on one man's character and how he was transformed by the power of Jesus. By the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, during the previous months and during the previous weeks, I've been preaching about different apostles. And I've been preaching about the walk they had. In fact, previous weeks ago, I said that the work the disciples had when Jesus called them, according to Mark, he said he called unto himself twelve. That they might be with him, number one, and that he may send them out to preach. Their first responsibility as his disciples was to be with Jesus. In order for them to be transformed, the first job they had in their agenda was to mingle with Jesus, to spend time with Jesus, so they would change. And a few weeks ago, we talked about Nathaniel, one of our disciples who tend to doubt a lot, as Andrew and as Philip and, and as any other disciple, as Timothy. We used to think of Timothy the doubter. But when we study Nathaniel, we also saw that Nathaniel had some struggles with his own personal walk. And it was hard for him to trust at the beginning. But he was able to change that and transform that as he mingled with Jesus. Well, today we're about to talk of one of the greatest apostles, especially one that we know about almost everything or the most. The four Gospels talk about him. And, and, and it seems that if you were to, to, to choose or to try to find someone who was completely transformed by the power of God and it was recorded on the Bible, you will definitely stumble onto his name. His name is Peter. You remember Simon? You remember Peter? Well, that's who we are studying this morning. And I tell you, there's so much to say about Peter that he just blows my mind when I see his experience because I often reflect myself as a Peter I reflect myself as him and I want you to to go with me today through the three stages of his spiritual walk with God so you may see where you're standing today it is good for us to reflect and it is good for us to evaluate ourselves where am I in current times how is my spiritual walk with God yes there is no such a thing as a thermometer that could tell us the degrees of what spirituality we're experiencing today and I thank God that we don't have such a thing at church 
Because often people tend to say, well, how spiritual you are according to how you dress, according to how you talk, according to, to what you do. And if you do these certain things, then you are very spiritual. If you don't do these things, you are completely a pagan and you're just among us. But let me tell you, that job is not for you to take and it's not for you to inquire. None of us were called to do such a thing. So please do not apply for that position. It is not open. And it is not for you and I to take it. So there is no such a thing as a thermometer to, to, to say how spiritual you are. But it is good for us to evaluate ourselves to know where I've been this past week. In fact, I mentioned to you that I just met our, our, our uh, new ministerial director in our British Columbia conference, Pastor Peter. And when we had the first meeting with him, he said, next year you're going, to you're going to be evaluated. Every pastor gets to be evaluated. And I'm not afraid of evaluations, I tell you that. I like to know how's my work and what are we doing right, what are we doing wrong, what we need to change. How can we grow more? But the first thing he said, what, are you, what you're going to be evaluated next year when I come to you, the first question I'm going to ask you is, are you a better Christian than last year? Are you walking closer to Jesus this year than the year before? That threw me off. So wait, what about baptisms? What about small groups? What about Bible studies? What about visiting people? So wait, that's not the priority. The priority is to know whether you are walking closer to Jesus more this year than the year ago. And I said, I'm going to extend that evaluation to my members as well. Of course, you're going to be evaluating your pastor, and it's good for you to do that. Be kind and gracious, please. But, <laughs> but it's good for us also to evaluate ourselves. Am I walking closer to Jesus this year than I was a year ago? Where is my spiritual walk taking me in current times? Am I more faithful to Him? Is my hope more bigger, greater than it was a year ago? Am I more excited about Jesus' second coming this year? Or am, am I so afraid that I cannot see how Jesus is returning on the clouds in current times? Our character being shaped by His Spirit. What we know about Peter is that, yes, he was married. He was a fisherman. He did this by trade. Therefore, we also know that he wasn't educated as probably Judas was or Paul. He didn't go to school. In fact, in those days, whoever had a trade was because they couldn't cut it. They couldn't make it to college level to continue their education on, on, on Bible and eventually to follow a rabbi. So we know he was a rough man. Through years, through history, we know that fishermen are not the most well-spoken. Can you agree with me? We know that if you go to a harbor, you will see all kinds of people. But when you talk about fishermen, boy, be careful. And I'm not saying nothing wrong about the profession, but it's just the rough life that you get to experience in open sea that shapes the character of a man who works in those areas. They're probably not the most educated, but they know survival skills. They know how to fix things. We know about Peter, and we know that he was very generous. He was very energetic. 
he was very outspoken. <laughs> How many Peters do we have around? <laughs> I often get in trouble just because I don't know yet how to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> and I know that many of us have experienced that at some point in our lives. Where we got in trouble, not because God took us there, not because Satan threw us a, a curveball. It was just because our character betrayed us. Yes, pastor, say it. That's right. We've been there and we know what it means to have our character betray us at moments of heat and moments of desperation. Sometimes in the heat of the moment, we end up saying things that later on we will regret for years just because we couldn't control ourselves. What we know about Peter is that Jesus came to him and Jesus called Peter so he could follow him. I want you to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 5, verse 8 and on. Peter is fishing. He's doing his work all night. He has been working. He's a professional at what he does. He knows what he's doing. If anybody knows how to fish, it's one guy like Peter. I mean, he was doing this for years. But that night, boy, he wasn't catching anything. And how many times have we been in that position where we know what is to be done, but we don't get the results we wanted. And we keep doing it over and over and over again because we've done it like that all our, our lives, and we're just not getting the results we wanted. That day, as Peter is fishing all night and nothing comes, Jesus approaches him. And Jesus comes unto them and says, Hey, gentlemen, how's the fishing going? Are you catching anything? And what did they say? Especially what Peter said, nothing. We've done it all night and nothing has happened. And how many times I've done that as well. How many times I got tired of doing things on my own and nothing has happened. If you ask me, Pastor, how's your day going? I tell you, well, it's going good. But uh, in the back of that good, there's so many things that I wish they were to be fixed. People have asked me, Pastor, how are you handling yourself with all this? I tell you, only with God's strength, we can continue to do what we are called to do. And I know you're in the same boat. You're doing the same thing. You're praying. You're asking. You're claiming unto God, when is this going to be over? How are we going to see some hope for the coming day? But I tell you, when Jesus comes unto you, listen to his advice. And Peter listened to Jesus' advice that day. And he said, well, now, gentlemen, get the nets and throw them through the right. Throw them one more time. And what Peter said, Lord, we've been doing it all night. And I tell you, it's been a rough night. It's been a rough year for a lot of us. It's been a rough month and a rough week. And maybe last night you were having rough times at home. But Jesus said, do it once again. Peter responded. Listen to Peter respond. Luke chapter 5, verse 4. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, he's not Peter yet, he's still Simon. Because Jesus is about to change even his name. Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, 
We have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. You see, in his spiritual walk, he was starting to have faith that Jesus would know more than him. Although he was a professional at what he was doing, there comes a carpenter walking into the realms of a fisherman and tells him how to do his job. I don't know how many of us would have done that. If we are there tired all night, anxious, probably hungry, you would say. How do you get when you are hungry after not eating probably 10, 12 hours, your time has passed, and pastor, don't come to the house around those days. I will usually come to your house around 12, 1, depending on the lunch hour. <laughs> Just kidding. But, you know, when people are to the point of extreme exhaustion, they are desperate. He needs to pay bills. He needs to pay the rent. He needs to feed the family. He's a merry guy. He's a merry man. He has a mother-in-law to take care of as well. He has business to run. And nothing is coming. There comes Jesus along and says, do it one more time. Say, Master, let me tell you, this is our condition. And how often do we get to mingle with God and try to explain ourselves to him? You might don't get it, but we've been here all night. You think Jesus didn't know that they were there all night? Of course he knew. You don't think Jesus knows the situation you're going through right now? Of course he knows. You don't think he knows about your children? You don't think he knows about your marriage, about your financial conditions right now? He knows. And that's why he came up to him and said, do it again. But now do it on my command, on my terms. And Peter says, on your word, I'll lay down the net again. How much faith does it require for us to say, on your word, I'm going to talk to my children again. I'm going to talk to my wife. I'm going to talk to my husband. I'm going to go talk to my boss. Not on my terms or on my ways, but on your word. With your methodology, with your patience, with your character. And we know what happened. They caused so much that they even had to call other people around. And then more came to help. But that day, Peter learned a lesson. And the lesson he learned, verse, verse 8. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. What did he learn that day? He was before someone who was not his equal, who was not just another regular person giving an advice. He was before the Creator. And he even called him Lord. The other fishermen were so busy trying to, 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 to mingle the fish, to, to catch whatever they caught. But Peter was able to see a little bit above the excitement of the, of, of the moment. And he said, I am close to someone who's not normal, who's not just any regular person. His faith was starting to be established now on the Son of God. And he started his own personal walk with Jesus. In fact, Jesus calls Peter. And he says, verse 9, For he and all who were with him 
were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. They all had their business. They had their company. And, and, and continues on to say, And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. Beautiful way. He was able to call, to call Peter to a very specific mission. See, at some point, Jesus called us all. I don't know on what part of your own personal experience you are with God. But you are here because God called you. You are here because God brought you to this place. You're not here by just any uh, lucky experience or, or, or some sort of force of the universe. And somehow you end up here this morning. You are here because from the depths of your past, God made an appointment with you. And he was able to find you here this morning. You were called by God. You're not an accident. You're not just someone who's walking, walking on the earth without a purpose. You have a purpose in God's eyes. And you were called for a very specific reason. And if we all get to hear what the reason is, you will understand that our job is to be close to Jesus, to be transformed by his spirit, our character. And the next thing is to call others onto his kingdom. To be fishers of men. At points we get to forget our mission. And we get distracted. And right now the whole world is distracted. And a lot of people dwell hours and hours debating and discussing and, and, and bringing ideas. And they all are good. But let me, let me remind you folks and those who are online, our mission and our goal is one. Jesus is coming again. And it is time for us to prepare ourselves and to prepare others for that special gathering that is about to take place. Do not get distracted. Do not get confused. Don't look at the, at the light too much because you're going to get blind. And stay focused on the mission. What are you talking about, Pastor? Well, what I'm talking about is that in current times, our characters are to be reflecting God's light. And if that's not happening, forget about what the Pope says. What the government says. All of that will take place. Whether you want it or not. It will come. Whether you're ready or not. It will happen. God's word will be fulfilled. But what you and I. Can work with. It's our character. That's where I can start working on. That's where I can get busy with. The rest. Let God take care of it. As he has done it. In the past. And we see Peter. Growing in that experience. Establishing in his faith first. Understanding who Jesus was. And then we see Peter in many other pictures. Like the one. On Matthew. Chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. We get to see Peter. More mature. 
understanding things differently. And Peter gets to be with Jesus. Especially in his inner circle. And we call this the inner circle because John, James, and Peter were able to be with Jesus in certain conditions and, and certain visions that no one else would. He was not only a fisherman, very rough, very uh, uneducated, unwell spoken. But from time to time, his relationship with Jesus grew to the point that he became part of the inner circle that Jesus had. And it's interesting how Jesus would not despise anyone, especially people like Peter. He would bring them into his inner circle. Meaning that you and I could also have a relationship with Jesus regardless of who we are or where we have been. There is hope for you and for me. We have that same opportunity as Jesus gave to Peter, to John, to James, and to all of his followers. But Peter went through certain uh, pictures and certain uh, occasions where we could see that from time to time, his character betraying to the point that he should stay quiet. You remember that time when Jesus is walking in the multitudes and people are pressing Jesus from left to right. He's on his walk to Jairus' home and, and, and Jairus is also calling Jesus saying, Lord, come on, please hurry up. You need to get to my house. You need to hurry. And as Jesus is being pushed by Jairus, who wants Jesus to get to his home, he also gets pressed by the multitudes. And in the midst of that crowd, someone Touches Jesus. You remember that story? Someone comes and approaches Jesus and touches his garment. And Jesus stops everybody and says, hey, wait, wait a minute. Someone just touched me. Who answered first? <laughs> Peter. He said, Master, everyone is pushing you from left to right. Everyone is coming on to you. And yet you still ask, someone touch me? What kind of comment is that when we are in the middle of a hundred people pushing you left to right? And we could see that Peter oftentimes would be betrayed by his own animosity and, and energy and just the fact that he couldn't stay quiet. Obviously, Jesus wasn't asking that somebody touch him because of no reason. There was a reason. Jesus even said, no, wait, someone touched me. And virtue came out from me. This was an special touch. It wasn't just any touch. But Jesus could have easily revoked Peter and said, Peter, what are you saying in public? Why are you treating me like this? You should stay quiet. I am the master. I'm the one who says how things are run here. But instead of doing that, he was patient with this young fellow who was just learning how to mingle with Jesus. Oh, Peter... In fact, it came to the point, when you read the Gospels, you'll see that it gets to the point that every time something is asked, something is said, usually the next thing it says, Peter answered. <laughs> and, 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 the, and the majority of them, if Peter was right, then they would say, well, the rest of them follow. But if Peter was wrong, they would say, well, now it's Peter, you're on your own. You're the one who spoke, you're the one who did. Now you deal with the consequences. 
There's one study, though, one, one story that we learn how Peter is now growing and it's walking on faith and it's maturing in his faith. And, and I want you to go to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14 talks about a very specific event. Verse 27 and on. Jesus is walking on the water. Jesus told the disciples to go into the deeps of the water and he would meet them afterwards. Jesus stayed praying and after he finished, the Bible says, verse 27, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. Well, you remember this story. This is in the middle of the night. There is a storm happening. And somehow, as the lightning comes down, they're able to see so, through the light a ghost. And, and you would think that ghosts are not biblical. But according to this, they were used to probably or hearing the stories about ghosts. I don't know if they were real or not. That's not for me to say. But it was common knowledge that at some point, people would see ghosts or some sort of images there. And the point is that they all were afraid. They all were afraid to the point that they were crying out loud of fear. Have you ever been that fearful that you get this, this air coming out of your, your stomach just out because you're so afraid of what the consequences could be? I was afraid once. I mean, I've been afraid a lot of times. I'm usually very afraid. I don't know, I don't show it, and I'm probably not screamed that much. But I remember one day I was driving, and this is my uh, place where I pastored the second district. This is in the northern side of Mexico, right below Texas, and, and, and the border is three hours away. You still get an, a lot of narcs, a lot of uh, gangs, and, and, and there's so much shooting going on in those areas that I went to preach that Sabbath, and I preached to the church just like this church. And then we had AY, which is something that uh, we are trying to revive here as well, which is the youth uh, Sabbath uh, ministries in the evening. And after preaching to the youth that evening, I went to my car, I changed, and I went with my friend on the, on the highway. We were driving three hours back to our home in the university where I was studying. And, and as we were driving back, I took the wrong ex exit, which... I didn't know in those days because we didn't have a GPS like we do nowadays and, and technology wasn't at hand as we see it now, but I took, took the wrong exit. So I knew I had to make a U-turn at some point and get back into the highway. When I did that, I took a, 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 a U-turn and I went under the bridge to try to make it a, a U-turn. I saw how the pavement started to turn into gravel road. And when I saw gravel road, I said, well, this probably is not as, as, as usually, it's not as, as uh, we don't see much traffic in this road as the other ones uh, would be. And I told my friend and I told the two girls that were with us, I said, please be aware that something is coming. Something just started to tell me, you'll see something ahead. And I didn't know what it was, but I did say to them, be aware, be prepared. And when I said that, I, I was meaning pray to the Lord that we are going to be okay. As we were turning, I see a man in the middle of the road with his AK-47 and six trucks with more than 15 guys all loaded up with guns. To what I believe they were doing some sort of an exchange of, of, of merchandise or something. But they didn't expect anyone coming to that road at any time. It was around 8 o'clock. It wasn't that late. 
So when I saw the men standing there, the first thing they did, they went in the back of their trucks, pointing their guns to us, and the one who was leading them, I would say, stayed in the center of the road. I lowered the windows of that Honda Civic, and I said to my friends, do not look at them on the eyes, do not say anything, just stay quiet, looking ahead, and we'll see what happens. In my own thoughts, I was so afraid that I could easily just outscream everyone at that moment. Um, but in my thoughts, I was like, Lord, I've been preaching all day. I think I've been good. I give my soul to you right now. And if I don't make it, so be it. I, was, I, I wasn't married at that time. And I said, I wish I was married and do all these things that I didn't do. But we happened to go. I didn't press the gas on that vehicle, nor did I stop it. I just let the gas, the, the, the vehicle go in its own. And usually on an automatic car, it goes from 10 to 15 miles. And, and we started going that slope. The guy put his gun on my uh, head, and I felt his presence right next to me as I was passing by. He did not say anything. I kept my hands on the wheel. I kept looking ahead. I just felt that I had that gun right here. And he didn't say much. I continued to, to, to drive. Probably 100 meters after, they didn't tell us to stop. They all were just pointing the guns at us. After we were a little bit ahead, away from them, I pushed that gas to 115 miles all the way for the next three hours. Not looking back, not trying to see who they were, not trying to see any tag, not pictures. Forget about recording. In fact, be careful what you do sometimes. Sometimes you put yourself in harm ways because your curiosity. And I remember that after we had drove probably... 100, 150 meters away from them, we screamed in that car like never before. I could hear the girls. I still hear the girls nowadays like, oh, they were just screaming of being so afraid, not knowing if your life was going to continue or not. And I don't know if that was the same picture they saw that night. But the Bible says that they were so afraid that they screamed for their lives. And in the midst of that night, Peter, uh, Jesus says, it is I, do not be afraid. And I tell you, oftentimes we confuse God. We get the wrong picture of who God is. We, 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 we get to see Jesus, but instead of running towards him, we run away from him. Someone told us a different story. Someone sold us a different chapter. Someone sold us a different, a different picture. And, 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 and the one person we should be running onto his arms is the one that who can save us. But we are too afraid that that fear doesn't allow us to see that the Savior, the hope for our lives is here. And the one thing we end up doing is running away from him. And let me tell you, you should not run from Jesus. Jesus is running towards you, in fact. Because he wants to save you. And he said, it is I. Do not be afraid. Only one was able to recognize that voice. That said, do not be afraid. Who was it? Peter. Peter. And Peter said, Master, if it's you, send me to go with you and to walk on the water like you are. What kind of disciple, pupil, a student was Peter, that when he saw his master walking on the water, he said, I want to be just like you. What kind of follower was Peter becoming? 
that when he saw his master doing something out of the ordinary, in fact, something out of this nature, he said, I want to do it just like you're doing it. I mean, I don't know how many of us would walk into the water in the middle of a hurricane and, and just say, well, if it's you, you know, send me. We would say, yes, if it's you, send us an email and a picture and we'll hear you from here. But thank God we have communication. Why do we put ourselves in harm ways? But Peter said, you know, I'll go. In fact, later on, we're going to hear Peter saying, everyone might stumble, but me, I will never stumble, Lord. I'll be with, I'll be with you even till, till your very death. Until my very end, I will be with you. He also was at the very age of arrogance at some point in his life. But we know the, sto the story says that he walked unto Jesus. And he, as he kept his eyes on Jesus, he started walking. The moment came when he looked back, and we know the story. He sank into the water. But this time, listen now. See the perspective, how his character is changing. This time, he doesn't mingle with Jesus saying, Well, Master, we've been doing it all night. You know, we've been trying to catch fish all night, and we haven't been able to fish anything. Uh, but in your name, we will. Now he doesn't stop to, to do any, any talk. He doesn't have time for excuses. He doesn't have time for answers. He doesn't have time for, for all this reference, for all this curriculum. Why did I do it? This article or this thesis. Why did I, did I forget to keep on seeing you? He only said, Master, save me. Oh, what those words are. And that's another lesson for us. Why? Because at times in our life, we want to explain to the Lord, well, the reason why I haven't kept the Sabbath is because of this. And I forget about the reasons. What you need to say to the Lord is, Lord, save me. Save my family. Save my loved ones. Save my friend. We have no time to come to the Lord and discuss why we haven't kept the 28 doctrines. Why still we haven't learned about the sanctuary. And why we haven't kept the Sabbath as to what we know the Sabbath is. The Lord doesn't care the why. He cares that you will be saved. And that all you care about is to say, Lord, I need help. Save me. And at times we are drowning on our own sin. And yet we still have. The audacity to come to the Lord with all these excuses. Why? Forget the why. Just come to the Lord as you are. The Bible says that immediately in the same moment, Jesus picked him up. What did Jesus say to him? Verse 31. Matthew chapter 14, verse 31. And immediately... How fast? I tell you, we were talking about this this Sabbath uh, and, and during the lesson review. Again, for those who haven't studied the lesson, please go and do it tonight. Because if there is one prayer that God will never delay and will never stop from answering, is the prayer of one saying, Lord, save me. I mean, sometimes we ask for businesses, for a house, for a car, for healness, for different needs. And, and we know that God is never late, nor He is ahead. He is always on time. God is always on time. 
might not work on your date, on your time, on your clock. But on his clock, he's always on time. But when it comes to salvation, there's no delay on answering that prayer. Meaning that if today you call unto the Lord and say, Lord, please save me. The same word is used to you immediately. Right at the moment, right at the same time, he stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you little faith, why do you doubt? We could see that Peter was growing in his experience. But when the time came, he doubted. Just as you and I doubt of God many times. Because if you tell me you're not doubting of God in current days, I said you were a liar. Our own character betrays us. And as much as I want to rely on prayer, sometimes I say, well, let me, hear, let me get some help or let me help you. Getting to the answer that I want. So Jesus said to Peter, why would you doubt? If I've been taking care of you all along, why would you doubt? Another lesson Peter had to learn. And we go to the third stage on this process of Peter growing in Christ, changing his character by his spirit. Jesus is basically telling them, that he has to go to Jerusalem and he has to die. And he has to be sacrificed for the sins of the world. And before that, just prior to that, you can find this on Matthew chapter 16. And verse 15, Matthew chapter 16, verse 15, Jesus comes to the, his disciples and says, Who do the people say I am? And the disciples some of them answered, well, well, some said you're John the Baptist. Some said you're Elijah. Some said you're one of the greatest prophets. But who answered right? Who was the one who gave the right answer? Peter. Peter said, you are the Son of God, the Messiah. Wow. Not only was he growing in his faith, but he was able to receive such a revelation that required some sort of spiritual matureness. So he could see what others couldn't see at the time. Meaning that he was able not only to speak out the wrong things, but also sublime thoughts were able to come out of his mouth. In fact, Jesus said, Peter, you are a blessed man. Because that revelation did not come from men, but comes from above. But we still see the character of Peter being transformed, and, and he still has to work with it. Because in the same breath, now when Jesus is talking about going to, into Jerusalem and being crucified there, what Peter said to Jesus, verse 23. But he turned and said to Peter, because Peter had just answered, verse 22, then Peter took him aside. Remember that Peter is also part of the inner circle. He's very important. He's been saying many things. At times he's right. At times he's wrong. And sometimes he just has to challenge it and say, well, we'll see what goes on with this one. And he took Peter, he took Jesus aside and he said, far be it from you, Lord, that this shall happen to you. Oh, Peter, that wasn't for you to comment. That was not for you to judge. 
that was not for you to step on. And, and, and oftentimes, again, we make judgment on things that we are not to be judging. Jesus says, step away from me, Satan. Oh, Peter. I'm going to move faster now. Peter continues on his process of learning and understanding who the master is. Peter's continue to, to say, to, to work on his character. And we get to now Matthew chapter 26. And I, and I wish what I can do today with you is to encourage you to learn more about his own experience because there's so much to learn about Peter and the way he was transformed. But in Matthew chapter 26, Jesus is telling them that everybody is going to be a stumble. Everybody is going to be scattered. Everybody is going to be afraid for the coming events that are about to happen. And Peter again, being arrogant with that character, said, verse 26, chapter 26, verse 34, and 30, uh, 33, verse 33, Peter answered and said to him, Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be, I will never be made to stumble. Hmm. Have you ever feel like Peter? Even if all stop keeping the Sabbath, I will always keep the Sabbath because I know the Sabbath is the truth. Are you seriously keeping the Sabbath? His self-arrogance and self-confidence without relying on Christ was going to make him stumble in such a way. But again, it is in times of crisis, and listen to this carefully, it is in times of crisis and turmoil that our characters are shaped. A good Captain is not made on calm waters. He needs to be in the midst of the rough sea in order for him to learn how to maneuver. He's on both. A good Christian is not made in peaceful times. He gets to be strength in peaceful times. He gets to prepare. But it is in times of trouble and crisis when we learn to bend our knees more often than usual. So whatever the crisis you're facing in current times, do not be afraid. You're not walking alone in that path. He has promised to be with you. But Peter, oh boy, Peter said, well, no, listen, Jesus, you're wrong. I got better news for you. If everybody fails, I'm not going to fail. Who would say that to the master? Now the Bible says that, that when he said that, all the disciples follow his lead. Meaning that he wasn't only just Peter, but he was a leader of the disciples. And they all followed the way he thought. And now we know that he was a stumble. In fact, Jesus told him, well, Peter, now let me tell you, let me be straightforward with you. What is going to happen is this. Before you listen to the rooster... Three times, you would deny me. Be two times, you would have denied me already. Three. Uh, verse 34, Surely I say to you that this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times.
times. Jesus was very direct with his disciples. And he told them this is what's going to happen. If you continue on that path. Trying to do things on your own. Thinking that you know how to things wrong here. Thinking that you know how to do Christian life on your own. You're going to stumble. And you're going to hit bottom. We know what happened that day. In fact, Ellen Joy opens up this curtain and she says that while Jesus was being bidden, Peter was on the side, outside the courts, outside the, the inner part of the, of, of, of the uh, courtroom. And, and, and there was a fire going on, and, and, and a bonfire, and people were around it that night. And they would even come unto Peter and say, hey, you, you look like the people that were with Jesus. You, you, you sound like them. You talk like them because your character cannot be hide, cannot be hidden after you have spent time with Jesus. The same fact and the same way that you cannot lie onto people about character. You might be able to sustain a picture for, for a few days, but eventually that character will betray you and will show the true colors of who we are. Is that a true? Does that make sense? Of course he does. But Peter, as he's around the people, he says, no, 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 you're confusing me. I wasn't with him. I'm not part of them. To the point that he even started cussing again. So he might mingle and dwell among the multitudes there. When he did that, he heard the rooster going. And in the same moment, his eyes crossed the sight of Jesus. And Sister White says that when he saw Jesus' eyes, he didn't see condemnation. He didn't see judgment. He saw mercy. And that broke his heart. Because he had betrayed his best friend. Because he thought of himself so much that took him to the point of betraying the very principle he said he would never do. And I, I make a calling to all of our Christian community. Be aware of where you're standing today. Our fight is not against each other. Our fight is not against one another. Whether you believe on this or you believe on that. Our goal is the same. We're walking towards the same goal. Christ should be uplifted in any time given. Be careful with trusting yourself too much. That you may find yourself stumbling on the very fact that you said you wouldn't. But Peter had to go through this. We know that Jesus, after he was resurrected, Peter wasn't so... He was excited to see Jesus, of course, but, but he at the same time felt that he couldn't get close to him. And Jesus is about to redeem his pastor, to reassure and, and make another calling to his pastor. Because Peter is now ready to start pastoring the church. That young guy that came as an untrained and uneducated has now spent time with Jesus and now it's growing so he may start leading the church. 
Acts chapter 4. And we are about to close today. Just bear patience with me because this is so good that we need to study more about it. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. After Jesus had restored the faith and the character of Peter, we can see that something happened after resurrection. Something happened with his character. He was transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, now Peter is about to speak to the multitudes. And when you read the book of Acts, you can see that many of the sermons that were led, were led but were spoken by Peter. That fellow that didn't know how to speak is now able to speak to multitudes. And the way he's doing it, it's so clear that no one can rebuke and no one can refuse to know that he had spent time with Jesus. Verse 13, look at what it says. Now, when they saw the boldness on Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had, they had been with who? With Jesus. Something happened to this young fellow who spent time with Jesus that now his character was transformed and people couldn't deny that. I mean, people can say that we're not educated. People can say that we don't know letters as much as other people. People could say that we don't have a degree on such and such. But people cannot deny the character of Christ when we mingle with him. The world can deny the word of God. The world can deny that the commandments of God are still in place in today's time. The world can deny about the Sabbath and the seal of God. But the world will never and cannot deny the character of someone who has been present with Jesus in time. It is said that in the end times, a blessing was said to the, to the people who kept the word of God for 1,200 years. And I, I tried to remember their name. Is it called Waldenses? Waldenses, thank you. For 1,200 years, they kept the word of God alive. And they would die for it, even if it was necessary. But one of the blessings was given to them was, go out and preach. And if it's necessary, open your mouth. Meaning that we all are called to preach on behalf of the good Lord. And it is not such a necessary thing to open our mouth. Why? Because our characters will be shown through our actions. In fact, it is said sometimes that, that, that the voice is not able to be heard because the actions are speaking louder than what we're saying. But the Bible says that Pastor Peter was transformed and now he was speaking with boldness. His character was still to be transformed and changed. Now he was mature. In fact, that day, 3,000 people were added to the church just because he was able to teach the Old Testament history and how Jesus met the prophecies in those days. Amazing. 
you read chapter 15 of Acts and you'll see that Peter had a very big discussion with Paul. Because later on, Peter is mingling with the Gentiles and he's eating with the Greeks. And when he goes to the John Conference in, 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 in Jerusalem, and, and, and now they're, they're debating whether the Greeks are going to be circumcised or not. Peter says, well, they should. And Paul says, you shouldn't be saying that. Because while we were out preaching, you were eating with them. But now that we're not, you're changing your mind. That's called to be hypocrite. And Paul addressed Peter in that way, so he may kept on growing. Last verse. Second letter of Peter. Chapter 1. Second of Peter, chapter 1. In fact, what kind of influence did Peter have? And, and how much was he transformed? That he was able to mentor a young preacher and a young evangelist as John Mark. I mean, you talk about character, you talk about being transformed, you talk about leading. How many people are following you in current times? I often say that if the youth is able to follow you, you must be doing something good. But if when children come to you, the, the one thing they want to do is run away, something needs to change. And something needs to be shaped by God's power. When you read the book of Mark, you will read the book of second opportunities. And I encourage you to do that. If you have a chance tonight, go home and read the gospel of Mark. And you will see that Mark... It's a book that is written for people who've made mistakes and who were still given another opportunity. Every miracle that Mark presents, every comment that Mark makes has to do with the fact that he is listening from Peter, his experience. In fact, Mark, the book of Mark, it's a biography of Peter. Mark was not a disciple of Jesus. It was through Peter that he listened to what Jesus did and he was able to write the gospel of Mark. You want to know more about Peter? Go to Mark and you will see that in Mark, you will see most of the, most of the miracles that are presented there are of people who were given a second chance and a third and a fourth and a hundred million chances because they were able to mingle with Jesus. But now we get to his pastoral letter to the church. Second letter of Peter, chapter 1. In his latter days, Peter is writing to the church, now as a wise old man. And when you read the first book of Peter and the second book of Peter, you will see that Peter is writing in very specific conditions. In fact, the church has been dis, uh, displaced and has been persecuted. When you read first book of Peter chapter 1 verse 1 and on, he goes on to say to the brethren, to the saints that are dispersed in different cities. And he names each one of the cities where the saints had gone because of the persecution of the name of Jesus. Peter is now writing to a church who's been persecuted, who's living in times of trouble and despair. And he's going to write to them with the experience of someone who has gone through the whole process of being transformed by the power of Christ. 
So there is something good for you to learn when you read Peter. Because he himself went through the whole process of it. Shape his character by his spirit. So when you read second letter of Peter, chapter 1, verse 5, listen to the advice of these old men who now gives us the knowledge that he acquired through years of his own personal walk with Jesus. But also for this very reason, he says, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness at what? Love. Oftentimes we go through that passage of the Bible and we are like, well, Peter just gave us a few recommendations here. No. He's talking about his own experience. His own personal walk. And I like that, that he started with diligence and faith. He started with faith. That's where it all starts. Having faith on who? On Jesus. Setting your eyes on Jesus, the author and consumer of our faith. Set your eyes on Jesus. But the last thing he ends with is love. All of this is it's, it's encompassed in brotherly love. I believe the revival and reformation is about to take place in our days. And that's something that we are praying for. But you know where that revival and reformation is going to lead us? You want to know where we're going to head from here then? To love one another. That's what Peter ends up giving the advice to the church. In fact, when you read 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 and on, he says, Do not be surprised. By the fire of the, of, of the test that you are in it, that you're going through right now. Do not be surprised that you're facing calamities, that you're facing persecution. Do not be surprised that at some point your brother is going to turn their back on you. And even the community is going to do things to so you. Do not be surprised because those very conditions were the ones that Jesus went through. In fact... Be of good cheer, because if this is happening to you, there is one common denominator. The power of the Holy Spirit is resting on you. And blessed are we if we get to experience the same experience Jesus went through. What a great privilege is to walk on the path of the Master. But we have to know where is my personal experience in today's time. Am I still at the stage where, where my character is betraying me? Am I mature in my faith that I know now how to lead the church, how to bring brethren to the knowledge, how to share with others about God and His second coming? Am I at this stage where now I can share with others my own personal experience and what God has, teaching, has taught me through the years? Wherever your condition might be, we all need the same spirit to shape our characters to his like. In his last days, Pastor Peter 
knew he was coming to an end. And according to the tradition, it is said that when he was presented before the cross to be crucified as a martyr, he did not feel worthy enough to die the way his master died. And he requested to be crucified facing down. Because it was such a privilege to die the same way Jesus died. Some authors, some scholars have said that Peter carried that load on his shoulders all his life knowing that he had betrayed Jesus. And he accepted Jesus' forgiveness. But he had a hard time accepting his own forgiveness, forgiving himself. Some others have said that Paul suffered from the same consequence. He was able to accept Jesus' salvation and, and forgiveness. But from time to time, he would feel remorse for what he had done in the past. Which led them both, and all the other apostles as well, to were able to give everything, even toward their last breath, for God's cause. Because they knew there was no better reward, and there was no better call to be God's servant. We all been forgiven. God has done a miracle in our lives. God has done tremendous things for us. It is time for us to do something on behalf of his mission and his cause. In current times, as people are falling into anxiety, depression, stress, and illness, you and I have a message to share with others. There is hope in Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming again. Soon this will end. We have a message that we have to share. Not because we're pushed by the pastor or the church, but because our own personal experience tells us that we cannot stay quiet any longer. Jesus is coming again. I'm excited to know that soon this will be over. Whatever you see on the news, it is time for you to pay attention to what the Word says. What God is telling us. For those of you who are online, God is calling you today. Pick up the phone. Visit your neighbor. Write an email. But tell someone that there is hope in Jesus Christ. And as he was able to transform the character of Peter, he's able to transform you and I if we only allow him to do so. If that's your prayer and that's your desire, please stand up with me. And let's consecrate ourselves to God again. Asking for him to do the mighty work, mysterious work of shaping our character more to his like. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for reminding us today that we are not alone. This is not to be done on our own merits. This is not to happen because of who we are. This is to happen because of who you are. And we claim unto you with the promises that you've given us, Lord, that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and righteous to forgive our sins. 
Lord, we understand that there is nothing good in us to offer. What we pray that with the power of your Holy Spirit, you will use us so many others can find hope and knowledge about you and your promises, about you and your second coming. We pray for our community, Lord. We pray for our government, for our church in general. We pray for our church in Williams Lake, for all the families and brethren who are here and the ones that couldn't come today. That may they find the blessing of being with you in their daily walk. We understand that the times we're living are precious times. Because before us, we are seeing the truth being unveiled and the prophecies being fulfilled. But one prophecy is about to take place in our midst, which is the outpour of your Holy Spirit. We pray for the latter rain. But we also know that in order for that to happen, our characters need to be aligned with your commandments, with your direction, with your guidelines. Help us to reflect Jesus' character in our days. Thank you for the blessing of this Sabbath. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.